and he was just like, you know, I coach me, uh, hey, what's up, stud? How you doing, stud? <laughs> Bro, we wait for that comment every single time. When we ask the raccoon question, me and Mitch know it's already like, what's up, stud? Hey, hey bud. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you're doing great, bud. Yeah. Whenever you think about the game, like, you get giddy. Like, it's like, I don't mm-hmm. know what it is. Like, you said it gets your blood pumping. You're just like, I just want to smack them. Like, I literally just want to throw out their 50 ball. I want them to quit at halftime. Like, it is something that's so special. And I know Coach Self doesn't. Fantastic job about it too. Jay Billis said it best. I don't know. He did the little TikTok thing. He does it once a year, like the top five arenas. And he was talking about Cameron Indoor and Allen Fieldhouse. He was like, "You go sit in there, and like it's like almost seeing ghosts. Like you just feel it. Like I don't know yeah. what it is about it. You go sit there, regardless if there's one person in there or sixteen thousand. Like you sit there and you just like feel something. The PG's good, but I love practicing at Allen. Like that's by far. Like if we can practice <laughs> Allen every day. You know game day's coming whenever exactly. you're practicing yeah. now. Like, that's the coolest part. Dad used to tell me all the time. <laughs> used to tell me all the time. <laughs> Son, don't worry about the mules. Just go the way. What's up, everybody? If you are a college football fan like me, if you know a college football fan that's in your life, you need to go cop this shirt. New designs dropping all the time. It's the perfect gift with the holiday season coming around. If you don't have this thing, you're missing out. Great material, great fabric. I wear it all the time. Go get yours today. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Rock Chalk Unplugged. This week, special guest for the start of Big 12 play, the one and only El Marco Jackson. Welcome on to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Chris. So, hey, Marco, let's just jump right into it. You're obviously progressing a ton over this year, and we're really excited to watch you going into Big 12 play. But let's start at your at the base. So we're going to talk a little bit about your recruiting. So who from Kansas recruited you, and what kind of separated Kansas from the other schools like Texas, UCLA, and Villanova? Uh, from Kansas, uh, I was getting recruited by Coach Rob, and I feel like the thing that, uh, like, separated – Kansas from all these other schools was just like the tradition that Kansas had. And uh, on my visit, like I saw just how close the team was and how like tight knit everybody was. And, you know, I feel like that's really important to me, you know, just having like a group of guys that off the court, you know, you can really just chill with and have like a cool, genuine connection, just kick it with on some cool stuff every day. So uh, that was really cool for me. Like I had um, CBA came back for my visit and um, I feel like I was big. Like, I didn't really have at no other school, like, uh, like a, a former player come back and until, like, kick it with a recruit. So I, I thought that was pretty cool for sure. And CB, CB definitely showed you a good time in Lawrence. I mean, we've, we've always been hung around CB. That's one of the best Kansas characters. I mean, outside of being a player, one of the best Kansas characters. He loves the tradition and everything. So I'm sure he put in a good word. I'm sure that night was – it was a good one. <laughs> Yeah, we was in the hyena. Oh, <laughs> El, El Marco, speaking of recruiting, I wanted to ask you, like, this is a very popular conversation these days. How much does NIL play a role in recruiting? Obviously, it was around for Chris and I's last year, but you being a recruit during NIL, how much did that play a part of it? Uh, to me, it really play a part, like, for real, because, I mean, all the schools that I was looking at had, uh, like, a significant money as in like nil wise so (laughs) to me it was really just playing opportunity and you know like a team that'll help me get better and you just look at the track record of ku 
uh, you know, they've developed their players and they win consistently. They get to March every year. So uh, I feel like for me, that was pretty much just like a no a no brainer. For so sure. you're from the Northeast, though. So you're obviously not from the Midwest. Big tall basketball. Kansas basketball is not big up there. Did you ever watch Kansas basketball as as a kid? Not really, but like since I'm since I'm a uh, I'm from like right outside of Philly, I watch like Joel Embiid's like KU highlights stuff like that. So that was like the closest thing I had to to KU basketball. And um, uh, when Frank Mason was was at KU, he was he was popping off, and I, I watched some of his stuff. Is that somebody you would say you kind of try to model your game after, Frank? Um. I say more of like a like Devonte Graham. I like I like his game a lot, and uh, yeah. How much does uh, going to how much does going to a place where they develop their players like mean to you? Like obviously, if they've had guys like Frank Mason, Devonte Graham, Ochai Christian, like those weren't highly touted, highly, super highly touted, but they developed and they became uh, NBA draft picks. Uh, yeah, it meant a lot to me because I didn't want to come to a place where I'll just remain the same player and get better at things that I'm already good at. I'd like to become more of like a well-rounded player and, you know, just going to, you know, a coach like Coach Self who just knows all the X's and O's of the game and just like the whole staff just helps every day, you know, uh, when it comes to like film or, or shooting and stuff like that every day. It's just an opportunity to get better for sure. And so Kansas has done a better job at kind of developing players for the last couple of years and having coaches dedicated to that. Ready Morningstar and, and Coach Case, they're two dudes that really take a lot of a lot of time and a lot of effort into making sure that they're producing better scoring options that kind of translate into the NBA. So what is the impact that they've had on you just in your short time at Kansas already? Really good. Just telling me, uh, you know, different options that I have coming off the screen a lot. Cause last year I, I, I really didn't use like the screen or pinch post options like that. So, you know, just getting the reps in of, of doing that so it could help translate to practice, which, you know, builds just, you know, confidence for in game was major for me. And they helped, they helped a lot over the summer and just, you know, just helping my shooting, you know, perfecting my, uh, like my form. So it's just consistent every time. And though, and like I think about it, like even when I played in high school, you don't have to follow a game plan. I mean, you were a five star recruit. I mean, you could just go out there and be like, "Hey, come up here, get in the way of the dude. I'm just gonna run to the basket. Let someone try to compete with me." When did you realize, like, kind of early in summer? Because I knew, I mean, I knew it as soon as I stepped on campus, I wasn't on the level of most of these dudes. But like, when did you realize, like, all right, hey, yeah, like I'm gonna have to learn how to sit there, snake off the ball screens. I'm gonna sit here and learn how they're playing kind of off of these screens, how they're hedging it, how they're playing on the backside. How long did that take you to be like, okay, yeah, I need to start learning, expanding my game and learning to play it inside of an offense? I probably say, um, I probably say like the third day we was hooping. <laughs> um, I was coming off a ball screen and. I mean, it's like a accumulation of three days. So, like, I would come off a ball screen and I'd have, like, Juan guarding me. It was Juan who would get me every time. Yeah, I'd come yeah, off the ball screen good. and then he'll just back tap me every single time. Like, I've never been back tapped this many times. Like, I'm just like, damn, like, I'm going to have to snake it. Like, I'm going to just get out of my hands quicker, just, like, shield it better or something. So I'd probably say that for sure because – like I just wouldn't, I wasn't really used to that. 
last thing in in uh, respect to recruiting, we wanted to ask, what was your coach self moment in recruiting? Like, what was the first time you talked to him? What was your uh, what was your relationship like with him? Uh, first time I talked to him, I think it was uh, like a little bit after I got offered, and he was just like, you know, I coach me. Uh, Hey, what's up, stud? How you doing, stud? <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Bro, we wait for that comment every single time. We ask the recruiting question, me and Mitch know it's already like, what's up, stud? Hey, hey stud. bud. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you're like, doing great, bud. Yeah. He's like, hey, stud, I just want just to let you know how excited we are to recruit you. And, you know, we love your game. And, can't wait to get you out to Kansas and experience everything, stuff. So, you know, yeah. <laughs> and then as soon as you sign on the dotted line and you show up to campus, you still like that. But when you get on the court, it's like, whoa, coach, coach, coach. Like, mm-hmm. I didn't realize you were this intense. Like, uh, yeah. He, he, uh, when we moved in, we had, um, we had like a little move in, uh, like lunch. Um, cause we had all got there and, and he's pretty much, he told, he told us straight up, he was like, you know, I'm happy for all you guys to get here. Uh, you know, he was like, all that fake shit is over. I'm the bad guy. <laughs> yeah, so. which, is, which is like what you need as a, as a young freshman. Like, that, that's what he did with us. Like, he sat us down and was like, hey, listen, like, I got you in the door. Now uh, now it's time for me to make yeah. you better. And, like, you can't do that by being soft and, and being exactly, yeah. everybody's best friend 24-7. No doubt. Yeah. And I feel like, yeah, I mean, you see it like I feel like the freshman class that we've had, like me and Jamari and Johnny, like we've gotten so much better since, you know, like he we've gotten here because he just like hits a nerve that like, you know, most coaches can't really hit. And that just turns you up to a different level for real. Yeah, I, I think the the thing that everybody even around Kansas basketball sees right now is that we need you guys to be good, to be good. Uh, how much. Does, how much does that weigh on you and the other freshmen? Like, I know you guys are a close group, but like, how much does the, does the the pressure weigh on you guys? Appreciate it, Mitch and Chris. Before we get back to Raw Talk, I got to tell you guys about the best way to make money on sports. I've been in search of the best way to fire on sports for the last year or so. I've tried every sports book, all the different apps, but Prize Picks is the best way to make money on sports. On Prize Picks, you pick players and not teams. Each player has a set total stat projection. So let's say Patrick Mahomes has a higher or lower than 220 passing yards. If you think he's going to have more, you just click on more. When it hits, you make a bunch of money. I just hit a four-player pick on last night, 10x in my money, 100 bucks to win 1,000. And the best part is you can go to prizefix.com slash rockchalk and use the code rockchalk for a 100% deposit match up to $100. That's prizefix.com slash rockchalk. Use the promo code rockchalk for a 100% deposit match up to 100 bucks. Who knows what you can turn that 100 bucks into? I turned mine into 1,000 last night. Let me know what you do in the comments. It doesn't really weigh on us that much, you know, because we, uh, you know, we used to kind of just like put a lot of pressure on ourselves. Um, and, you know, that was from just like a lack of communication, a lack of like holding each other accountable or just getting in work and, you know, making the right play because we can. We just have to be more consistent in doing it. So I feel like, you know, the pressure 
definitely lagged off a little bit when once we started really buying into the culture and what the coaches was asking of us and and things like that. Okay, so we already talked about your first meeting with Coach Self right when you stepped on campus. But what was yeah. your first practice welcome to Coach Self moment? Because we've all had it, like where you think you're sitting there doing good or whatever. It's the day that he picks you. He's gonna he's gonna figure out what you're made of that day. What was what was your first experience with that? Uh, we were doing blockout break. It was in the summertime, and I, I turned it over, and I didn't. I didn't run back on defense. I was just like, I was like, damn, I turned it over. He was like, he was like, hold on, hold on, are you serious? Are you serious? You're that soft. You're soft. He was just yelling at me, calling me a whole bunch of stuff, and I'm just like, I'm just like, I'm just, I'm like. I ain't know what to say because I'm like, you know, I'm used to like, hey, used to like, you know, him being nice and stuff like that. So after I like locked in, I was kind of just like, oh, shit, you know, like I got to lock in. But, um, you know, I had KJ tell me he was just like, if you ever get on your ass, just like, you know, just say yes, sir. Like he's just looking on how do you how, how are you going to respond to this? So I feel like them like him, like KJ, Kev, Wando. Like they helped me in that in that situation for sure because I would have, you know, I would have just you know been quiet. But you know, I'd be talking back now. And Juan had Juan and KJ both because I mean KJ, you know how he is. Like he's just stick strictly business. Like he's business. Mm-hmm. He's just gonna shut up. He's gonna go do what he needs to do. And Juan's a quiet guy until you get to know him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Juan struggled with that a lot to start. Like he coach Sell, he did the same thing you did. He turned the ball over once or twice, and coach Self would just absolutely obliterate him because you couldn't get a rise out of Juan. So Juan would get it worse. And so that is a good guy to like listen to and kind of have you guide because it took him a while. Mitch, I think you can, you can, you can attest to this because he was a red shirt the first, the second semester of our, uh, of our senior year, our, our junior year. And yeah, coach self would like really, really get into him and pretty much just see like, Hey, how far can I take this until Juan's like breaks? And there was a couple of times he did break a little bit, but he definitely, improved a ton about it and that's what made him great in these big moments and i think there is there is always a silver lining to these things that are going on because this always has a purpose no matter what no it is if himself comes to you after practice and is like hey man i love the way you're playing that has a purpose not for tomorrow it has a purpose for march 8th when we're going to be in san antonio playing in the second round or whatever it is no doubt yeah and that's that's something that i definitely noticed like how calculated coaches like he's a super calculated dude. He moves with like reason with everything that he does. Like super. he'll get he'll get done with practice and like you'll feel like you'll feel so down about yourself. Like God, man, I I couldn't make a shot today. Like I couldn't do anything right. And, and Coach Self will come up to you and be like, "Yeah, you're 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 trying so hard out there. Like you're such." Yeah. And then like it'll change your like. <laughs> I remember even practice like I had a shit day. And Coach Self would come up to me like, they just like walk by me in the hallway and be like, tell me." Yeah, you did so great today. Like you're trying so hard. I see it, and it would just change my entire my entire like outlook on basketball mm-hmm. in, in general. Like I think that's just something that he's so good at reading at reading his players and understanding when people need uh, a boost of confidence, when people need to hear something good. Like I, I think okay. that's something special about him. No doubt. Yeah, for sure. You obviously talked about DeWan and KJ and how they took you under their wing. Who else is taking you under your wing? 
to try to teach you the offense, to try to kind of go through, hey, this is how we play. This is how you need to be playing defensively. Because there obviously has been struggles throughout. Everyone has struggles in Coach Self's system. Who's been the biggest impact as a, as a mentor for you at Kansas so far? Biggest impact, I'll probably say um, on the court outside of of KJ and, and Juan, I'll probably say Kev. Like, Kev's been helping me a lot, um, you know, with regards to defensively where to be on the court and stuff like that. Um, and then offensively, like, telling me when, like, it's it's best for me to be aggressive, when it's best to be passive, move the ball and stuff like that. Um, and how to read the defense off the ball screens and stuff like that. And then I say coaches, I'll probably say Coach Rob and, and Coach Dooley have helped me a lot. Um, you know, getting getting shots up with Coach Dooley and then him helping me through plays that I that are, you know, took me a little bit to, to get down or or just understand also like defensive positioning and, and, and things like that. Little nuances of the game, I feel like they've helped me a lot. El Marco, coming into this this season, we uh, obviously there was some turmoil. You uh you were, you were supposed to be splitting minutes and then you stepped into a bigger role. How how have you taken that responsibility and how have you uh flourished in your in your spot? Uh you know, I just taking a, a a the responsibility with, you know, a, like a clear head, you know, can't get too high, can't get too low. Um and, you know, it just comes with, like, a lot more work. So I've just up my work rate, you know, outside of practice and stuff like that. Um, and uh, just, just like, I've just been focusing on, you know, individual days and stacking days, uh, just being consistent. And I feel like that's helped me a lot, you know, just, you know, getting in extra work and, and you know, just talking to the coaches more, asking more questions, being like a sponge uh, to just, you know, just keep being like more comfortable within the offense and the defense and just like help contribute to, you know, just winning basketball for all. And, um, and obviously being the, the fifth man in, in that super loaded uh, lineup, like how do you, how do you make sure you don't defer to those other guys and continue to be aggressive and continue to, to search for your own shots and, and make sure that you're not uh, taking a backseat to, to anybody else? Uh, Just, you know, understanding who I am, like, for real, for real. I know I'm I'm a I'm a really good scorer. Like I'm really quick. I could get downhill. I don't feel like there's a lot of people that could really stay in front of me one on one. So uh, you know, just constantly, you know, driving the basket and forcing help. Um, you know, the defense is gonna have to make a choice on me as to help in and, and leave a, a shooter in the corner like Juan or Kev or Hunt. Um or, you know, stay and help and I could get a layup, like I could finish layups. So, uh, you know, just understanding my game and, and where my spots are at um, and being, like, decisive before I even, I even uh, you know, get to that spot or, you know, whatever the case may be. And I love how you're already talking about Juan being a spot-up shooter. I mean, he's shooting 50% from the three this year, which is he's leaps and bounds above what, I expect him to do as a shooter. He's been absolutely going crazy. But there's also, you said you, hey, you have a lot of confidence in people not being able to stay in front of you. But early on in, in, in the season, and I'm not trying to dog you by saying this, but there's a lot of things where you were more sped up than you were decisive. 
When mm-hmm. did that kind of okay. turn a switch in your head? Where like, hey, just being fast doesn't do anything for me. I have to be decisive in my moves. I have to make sure, hey, if I'm driving slot, I'm driving slot. I'm not going to sit there and mm-hmm. go between the legs and try to do a lot of stuff. Who kind of put that through your head or what made you realize, hey, I just need to be decisive in what I do and have options outside of it. Don't overcomplicate things. You are a great athlete, very fast, get downhill very well and have a lot to your bag. When did it become, hey, more of a decisive decision, decision than it was like, hey, I just need to go make something happen? Uh, I feel like that was really just, you know, me talking to the coaches uh, understanding the offense more and just talking to, you know, people in my circle about like how college basketball really is. It's like, you know, you, you know, most teams, especially on a team where our roster is loaded, like why would, you know, I get the opportunity, like if I haven't earned nothing to go one-on-one and boogie with a defender, like there's no, you know, there's no point to do that. So uh, most of the, the drives that I'm going to get are, are straight line drives where I could utilize my speed and force help and stuff like that. So I probably say like, you know, just talking with people around me about how I could become more effective, more efficient with my movement and just like, you know, pretty much just less is more for real for real in this, in this system. Yeah. Oh, Marco, your first game in college was in one of the biggest arenas in college basketball, one of the biggest arenas in basketball in general. Madison Square Garden. What was that arena like, and what was what was that moment like for you? It was really cool. It was like a crazy, uh, crazy moment. Um, you know, just being a little like starstruck. So, um, you know, I was, I was starstruck until the tip off, but after that, I kind of just locked in, and you know, after a while, it just starts to feel like basketball, and and yeah. But there's, I mean, like as much as you say that, like that's the media answer, you know, like, Hey, I just, I just locked in. I mean, like it, it does things to people. Like you look at Jay will, Jay will was a great basketball player. He's in the talk, talk for national player of the year last year. And you watched what he did his first game in Madison square garden. It is something Take that in, jack up a shot and break. And, <laughs> yeah, break, get taken out, turnover, reach and foul. I can't remember exactly what it was, but I mean, that is something that, Hey, like that's your welcome to, to to Kansas moment. Like Madison Square may be the biggest stage just because it's Madison Square Garden, but that's not the biggest game. You've already played against UConn at home. You already played against Mizzou at home. You already played at Assembly Hall, which is arguably a top five place to play in college basketball. Was that kind of your welcome being like, okay, hey, yeah, like, this is this is for real different where I need to be I need to be put blinders on. I need to really sit there and be like, hey, like it just needs to be me against the people on the court, not worry about, hey, where we're playing, who's going to be in the crowd. Is it going to be the, the, the loudest fans in all of college basketball? Are we going to break the record tonight? It's kind of one of those things where what really like went through your head? We're like, okay, hey, yeah, I need to stop worrying about that kind of stuff. It's obviously great, but it's not great if you don't win in those arenas. No doubt. Yeah. Um, I say just, just like, being like close with the guys on the team before the game helps a lot because it's just like, you know, in the locker room when it's loud and stuff, you can hear the fans. It's like, you know, that gets your blood pumping a little bit, gets you going. So, you know, it's definitely jitters, especially coming from high school. Like my, my home court, like the biggest crowd we got was probably like 200 people. Like it wasn't, it wasn't nothing. So like going from like 200 people to that was definitely just like a, like a shock. So it's like in my head, I'm trying to visualize like all the stuff I did on that court and how I could try to transform it onto this court that I'm on now. And 
in like different ways and you know like just trying to manifest different parts of the game and and see it before it happens you'll never play in front of 200 people ever again like ever (laughs) in your life like you'll never unless COVID hits again somehow and like I knock on wood on that one I don't want that to ever happen again you will never play in front of less than probably 6,000 people it's crazy too because it's like I don't know I feel like now I like I'm not take it for granted but like I'm kind of like becoming used to it like walking mm. out in Allen and it's like 16,000 like even when we played Yale like like there's not many schools in a in a in a nation that pack their whole entire gym right before Christmas like you wow. know there's there's, maybe, of, there's maybe 3 there's maybe yeah. 3 and it's assembly it's it's Cameron and it's Allen like yeah. Ruff, Ruff's too big to not to like be able mm-hmm. to fill it every single game. And Allen Fieldhouse, without a doubt, I watched you guys against Eastern Illinois. Like I was at the game, I sat up in the bleeds and everything. First time I've done that mm-hmm. in forever. I felt felt very odd, but it was like <laughs> it, it also gave me an appreciation. Whereas like I was sitting there shoulder to shoulder with people on a game that mm-hmm. meant nothing, and people were there just so excited to be in the mecca. Which yeah. is something that it's like, yeah, you can't take that for granted. There's some I took it for granted a lot of the time, but now you come back to it and you you'll come back. I mean, you it's look good. at Steve, you look at all those guys that come back all the time. It's because they love the fact that it's like that. Like, there's no there. Well, you'll never play. Regardless if you go one year, two years, however long you go here, like this, you'll never play in an environment like this unless you're in the NBA Finals. No, it really is different. And to answer your point, that is another thing that that that. uh made me like fall in love with Kansas. Just the energy that that stadium has for real. It's just different. Like walking in there like late night or even which is with the coaches or something, like you just feel the energy. Like it's hard to explain, but you just feel it. Like it's something there that's different about like any other gym. Like that building that has Dude, Jay, really Billis, like, Jay Billis said it best. I don't know. He did the little TikTok thing. He does it once a year, like the top five arenas. And he was talking about Cameron Indoor and Allen Fieldhouse. He was like, you go sit in there and like, it's like almost seeing ghosts. Like you just feel it. Like, I don't know yeah, what yeah. it is about it. You'll sit there regardless if there's one person in there or 16,000. Like you sit there and you just like feel something. And Man. it is true. Like when you go practice in there, like when you practice in the practice gym, there's not much pressure. Like it, I don't know what it is, but like you go practice in Allen, like it feels that like there's a lot of pressure and there's, the only the team in there it's it's ridiculous that's, that's why i love practicing out like the pg the pg's good but i love practicing at allen like that's by far like if we can practice <laughs> allen every day you, you know game day's coming whenever exactly. you're practicing yeah. at allen like that's the coolest part no doubt no doubt el marco what was the your first mizzou game like obviously it's a home game which is even crazier what was allen like and how was that game man it was crazy um you know, just leading up to it, it was just super fun. Learning about like the 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 rivalry and stuff like that. Um, yeah, it was super fun. Like coach coach showed us a video and stuff about the rivalry. Um, I watched like a couple videos myself, like before the game, like thirty minutes before the game, like on my phone in the locker oh, room. Yeah. And that shit was getting me pumped up. I'm like, man, we about to smack these fools, like. Um, so just just it was super fun, but you know I like the like the energy that we had, our fans had was great. But I like to go there and and beat them on their own on their own home court. I feel like that would be fun. How how uh, last year's team did it? 
Yeah. Oh, I mean, and like that, it's one of those games like we played a national championship, like we played in a couple of Final Fours. There's only probably three or four games in my lifetime or in my career at Kansas in five years that I like had a hard time sleeping before the game. And mm-hmm. Mizzou, I think our freshman year, uh, my freshman year, sophomore year, Mitch at Texas Tech for the Big 12 title. That was, yeah, that was crazy. we played Villanova in the Final Four and the national championship. It's like those are games where you're sitting there. Whenever you think about the game, like you get giddy. Like it's like, I don't mm-hmm. know what it is. Like you said, it gets your blood pumping. You're just like, I just want to smack them. Like I literally just want to oh, wow. out their 50 ball. I want them to quit at halftime. Like it is something that's so special. And I know Coach Self does a fantastic job about it too. Yeah. No, it's crazy. Like leading up to the game, I think that was tied for like, for me, one of the loudest games that we've played in this year is UConn. And in Mizzou at home, it's just like it gets so loud. It's just like buzzing, like a blind noise. Like, oh yeah, I don't like. Were you just, like your teammates can be talking to you and like you see their mouth moving, but like but you can't hear them. You, you don't hear the damn thing they're saying. <laughs> I remember sometimes like coach would be like talking to us in, in the huddle, and like we're all huddled around, and like his face is literally like this far away from me, and like I'm still like. <laughs> You like, like hopefully, uh, hopefully somebody else on the team heard it and they could tell me when we get out there, but like I don't know what the hell he, what the hell he wants from me. Like El Marco, obviously KU's only loss this year has been to Marquette. And during that game, there was a little bit of a of a scuffle uh between them and us, their coaches, our coaches. Give us a little look into what, what happened there and uh what 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 happened behind the scenes. <laughs> Um, so, you know, it's just a little bit of bad blood between, um, you know, our coaching staff and, uh, their coaching staff and, you know, a little bad blood between, you know, just us in general. So, uh, you know, one of our players hit a shot, um, and their coach has said something to our players and, you know, KT didn't like that. So he just told them, you know, and, uh, in other words, don't talk to my player like that. So... You know, they just got into it after that, you know, and um, we, it's a lot of holding back. You know how, how, you know, athletes be competitors, you know, just talking smack and stuff like that. So, yeah, we didn't we didn't appreciate that. So just had to let them know. I think yeah, obviously yeah. if we play Marquette again, they got something coming for them. Oh, yeah, no we're, doubt. We're a way different team now than I think we were when we played against Marquette. Yeah, and I think that, that might have been their best game of the season, the way they was like – running stuff with their pace on offense and mm-hmm. yeah, it was, they was awesome. And that obviously game. that game being in Hawaii, like I don't think people truly understand, like it does impact, impact you like flying across, across the ocean, getting used to being in a completely different mm-hmm. atmosphere. Like it, it, there's something to be said for that. Like, I think that's not the entire reason why we lost, but that, that can add to it. I, I think. Yeah. Sure. yeah. Everybody's legs was shot, but it is what it is. We'll, we'll see him later. We'll see him later. And, and it, is, it is a lot different when you're playing in Maui, when you're actually in a high school gym, because, like, the gym feels a lot smaller. So, like, your legs aren't going to be as shot. But I will say is, like, Marquette, they're probably one of our biggest weaknesses in they have two point guards that are fast and fast, like, really, really fast. And Hunter was having a hard time kind of getting up to level screen at that point, and the guards weren't really – 
taking that into effect, being like, hey, we got to make sure we get over these screens. So I do think like the best thing that's happened to us was losing to Marquette in such a frustrating fashion. Obviously, blood boiled, all the things went over. But can you speak on kind of how it was a wake up call to you guys? Like, hey, we need to we need to focus in because since then we have played. Don't get me wrong. There's been some bad games mixed in there, but we have had just fantastic play. We've negated those issues on the defensive end. Not for sure. I feel like the Marquette game was a great wake-up call for us, you know, because at that time, pretty sure we were still number one ranked, and, you know, we just had like a, uh, you know, we just like, I mean, we were a little bit too confident. Like, you know, we're all, we're confident in how we are. Like, we're good. But I feel like we were just too confident and thinking we were going to like steamroll them or they were going to roll over or nothing. So, I felt like that was a good game for us to, you know, understand that we got to, you know, throw the punch first and every team that's going to play us is going to give us their all. So just being ready for that. And uh, defensively, you know, it was a great game to show us that, you know, we could got we could get a lot better. I feel like since then we've got a lot better. Omar, can we talk about this a little bit behind the scenes? What has been your experience with how passionate KU fans are? Have you seen anything else like this? Mm-mm, not even close. Not even close. Do you have any yeah. good stories about that? We've, we've asked a couple of the other guys that have come on here, and they gave us some, some pretty interesting stories about how passionate KU fans can be. Um, I say, like, I would say when I had, when I had just committed and I came for late night last year, um, I was, like, walking through the tunnel. Like, I was surprised, like – people even knew who I was, but you know, that's just how like passionate the fans are. Like I'm walking out. I was like, Oh Marco, can you sign your name on my, on my forearm? I'm like, what the, all right, sign it on the forearm. Like, um, you know, in the summertime, like we're working out and stuff like that. I'm pretty sure Grady came. Yeah. Grady came back and, you know, it was just like a heap of kids like outside McCarthy trying to get in just like, looking like seeing what we're doing like like yo like is hunter in there is grady in there like (laughs) when you guys come out like we gotta get a team photo like uh, like i need it for my mom like that stuff or or like i know people whose dogs are like named after coach self like that's wild like coach self yeah uh shoot i know it's like Y'all probably know, just like to walk over to Allen, there'll be people there like trying to have stuff signed before the games and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, It's a lot lot different than it was when we were there. Like when we were there, we weren't, I mean, except for our last year, we weren't getting paid for anything. So like those people would stop us, you'd have to sign. And then I became, it came to a point where it was like, you go over there and you're like, hey, it's $200 a signature. Has has that kind of helped you kind of like negate Okay, sorry, I can't sign it. Uh, nah. I mean, like, if I see somebody, like, I'll sign their stuff. I'm not gonna turn them down, um, because it's just like I know how passionate they are, and I know, like, you know, you know, having them in the stands or or before the game, seeing them, like, that just helps me like go even harder, because I just know how passionate they are and how much they give into it, um, you know, of, of the stuff that we produce. So, uh. You know, if I don't have time to, like, 
Yeah, I mean, I don't think I've turned down a, a like a signature or nothing. Do you uh, have you ever seen like the people that that are selling it, like where they where they uh, try oh, yeah, to sign yeah. a bunch of like the the carry I, sign all these all these that, blank autograph balls that oh my that's god, more, that's more of what I meant because we would have oh, to sign the okay. dudes' balls, and so like it was oh, like yeah. I know you're talking about, but like those dudes, it'd be like, hey, like when we got to nil, it was like two hundred, and they'd be like, well, I don't have any money. Yeah. Like, well, you're gonna take this and sell it for five hundred. So yeah. like, why? I'm not going to get anything back. Like I'm not going to do it. But yeah, uh, it's kind of crazy because, like, when when NIL like first started and like we were able to like actually like make money off that, like there was guys that were doing it legally, like signing autographs and and making money for it that we had never seen before. Like we didn't even know we had, we had no idea what the what the rule not the rules, but we had no idea that 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 stuff was that profitable. Yeah. Nah. Actually, um, we're talking about that. Like the dudes that be selling it. We, we like, at this point, we kind of, like, know which people are, like, selling it and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So it's, like, they'll try and trick us and, like, send, like, a little kid out. Be like, can I get this autograph? And it's just, like, uh, like I want to, but it's, like, I can't because I know you're about to sell it. Yeah, and, like, it's it's, you know. it's funny because I know exactly what you're talking about. When they, send, they send up the little kid and then yeah. he comes back, like, ten minutes later and he's got... Three more brand new. Oh like, what are you like? I, did I? Like, I just seen you. Like I just seen you. So it's like, come on, nah. Oh yeah. You know. And th- those dudes have been there forever. Like my brother, my brother Connor played from 2008 to 2012. And there'd be a couple of times where like he would be like, "Hey, can I come see McCarthy? Can I come hang out after a game?" And we walk him back, and he'd be like, "He know exactly who the dude was. He know the guy's name, mm-hmm. everything." It was like he. They've been doing that forever, and I'm sure they make a good mm-hmm. amount of money on it. But now it's like it's just not like if you're not going to pay me a little bit of the profit, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be doing. It. Oh, Marco, yeah, speaking of speaking of autographs, what's the craziest thing you've ever autographed? You've had to autograph. Um, man, probably um, probably like a kid's forehead at this camp. I probably that's the craziest thing. <laughs> a kid's forehead. <laughs> what the heck? Uh yeah, cause we was talking like I don't even know how we got to it. He's like, he was he like, you got a nickname, and I'm like, uh, I'm like, yeah. Some people call me salsa, so he was like, oh, okay, that's cool. Like I got a Mexican restaurant. Write your like write salsa on my forehead. <laughs> so I just I wrote it kind of small because I'm like, oh man, I can't have him go home and his mom see his You're head and just say salsa. <laughs> So yeah, probably that. Like just writing salsa on some kids for it. <laughs> I mean, that's that's how those that's how those little kids camps went. When we would go do the summer camps, you would never know what was coming to the line next. I mean, there was one point I signed like an iron, like you know, like an iron that you like Man. get the wrinkles out of clothes on. Like you'd sign toasters, you would sign just about anything you could possibly think of. Coconut. Signed a coconut before. Yeah. yeah. Dude, I signed, man, some kid gave me, like, had me sign, like, a pen, like, a thick pen. <laughs> like, I'm like, what the? What am I supposed to do with it? Yeah, like, I don't just, like, what? But, dude, some kid had, it was at um, the Rock Chalk, the Jayhawk Club field. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah Rock Chalk Park. Rock Chalk Park, yeah. Some kid asked uh, Coach Self to, like, sign his dollar bill. <laughs> Coach Self was like, oh, I don't know about that. You got anything else? 
<laughs> he's like, here's my shoe. And like, he like tried to bend his leg up to like have coach, coach uh, sign. He was like, I, I can't get that. You're going to have to take it off. Yeah. <laughs> that happened all the time with those summer camps. And they would ask you to sign stuff and be like, hey, sign my shoe. And they would never take it off. It's like the last Man, thing you want to do is be like, hey, like, put your foot up here. Like, let me do that. And like, then, mm-hmm. then they're taking it off like, for an hour and a half in this sweaty ass shoe. And they're like, Hey, sign this right here. I'm just grabbing a, like really a waterlogged shoe and be like, all right, mm-hmm. like, I'll sign it real quickly. Like, you don't want my signature anyways. I don't know why you're asking me. <laughs> El Marco headed into big 12 play. Obviously it's, we've had our fun in the non-con. We've played some pretty big games. Uh, we get we came out of that pretty successful. We're headed into the most some of the most important times of the year. Uh, we're going to play the Big Twelve Conference. What what is uh, the vibe around the team? What is the vibe around Coach Self? How how are you guys treating this? Uh, like you said, it's been fun like that first season, but this is like where the the real work begins. You know, um, everybody's just been more locked in, holding each other more accountable, um, and just like more about business. Um, I know, like, me personally, like, I talk with Coach about it, like, like I'm not a freshman anymore. Like, the mistakes that I made in the past, I can't make them anymore. And, you know, I'm excited to, you know, just continue to learn and grow and just get better because I feel like, you know, each day we get better, we compete. And, you know, I feel like, uh, you know, with the with the group of guys that we got, like, we could really go far, like, like I don't think there's a lot of teams, you know, when we're playing our A game that could that could that could stay with us. What's the one thing you at the Big Twelve? And the Big Twelve is, in my opinion, and like just based on a lot of basketball people who watch a ton of basketball, the best basketball conference in America. And this year is just as good as it's been. I mean, you have guys who are projected to finish in the bottom half of the league, Oklahoma, who are now ranked eleven in the league. And it's a very guard heavy. It's a very it's a very Baylor esque. They've they've really changed the game when it comes to the way that the Big Twelve plays. And and Oklahoma has a bunch of different wings. So what have you guys kind of done lately to kind of change the way you play to kind of negate the way that they play downhill, trying to get off ball screens, trying to make people help and then play off of that. Is there, has there been any kind of adjustments over this last week and a half of practice, knowing that we're going into a very guard and wing heavy big 12 this year? I say the major thing is our transition defense, making sure we get all five guys back after a shot, uh, especially with, um, with the team that we're about to play TCU. Like they, they get most of their buckets or, or at least 25 a game in transition. So uh, transition defense with them and and everybody else in the league because everybody, like you said, is fast, uh, athletic wings and guards. And other than that, I'd probably say like guarding uh, ball screens as well, just being like a, a more aggressive on the hedge, just a one bounce get back, um, just so you know we can try and negate you know roll into the to the basket and also the weak side low man. Uh, bumping high as possible, and you know if we can x out for the for the top man on that weak side, help that that'll help a lot. And that, that's a huge thing. I mean, like that's kind of what we practice. There's going to be a lot of stress on you, Juan, and and Kevin. And, I mean, you also have to throw KJ in there. I know you guys are still running forty one, where you're not switching with Hunter at all. So kind of like, have you guys prepared for that? Where it's like, hey, I got to start getting over these screens. Like if I'm downing them. 
I'm making sure that I'm down in where there's no gap in there. So has that put mm-hmm. a lot of stress on you as, as a player and just like kind of going through practice? Uh, I mean, I say not really. Cause I feel like we, we, we just work on it a lot in practice, you know, before we do a lot of like our defensive stuff, we do uh ball screen drills where we have to get over on the down and stuff like that. So just trying to, trying to build like though that, that you know that uh that movement into like our muscle memory so we just you know in game it just comes second nature to the point where it's just like all right bet like they could have got a roll but but you know we worked so much on this like i i got over put my hands up denied the pass from even happening and that just like slows down their whole offense and yeah i feel like that's that's what just happens with like most of you know our our like intangibles in the game like we just work on it so much to the point where it's just second nature and, you know, like, I feel like that's what helps us win games a lot. How, if you look online, on Twitter in specific, a lot of people are, are questioning where we're going to get our bench production. How confident are you in the guys that are coming off the bench that they're going to produce and they're going to come through for us and, and allow us to make a deep run in the March? I'm super, I'm super confident, you know. Um, Nick is a terrific shooter. He just hasn't, you know, showed it consistently yet. But, uh you know, when Nick gets hot, Nick is the best, the best collegiate shooter. You know, I've got to see. Um, yeah, no, nah, he, he he when he get get hot, man, he's different. So and he's showing that in practice. Oh yeah, he's showing that in practice. Yeah, that, so, that's something that I think a lot of fans need to understand is that dude mm-hmm. can really shoot. Yeah. When that light clicks on in the game, like it's gonna, it's, it's gonna over. change the entire fabric of our team. It's gonna give us another weapon that other teams haven't seen man and it's and it and it's just like nick is also just more than a shooter too like he could he's athletic he could get downhill he could dunk the ball so i feel like once he just gets his you know feet under him it's going to be wraps especially now that we're going into big 12 playing the games are closer and uh you know just more opportunity um yeah i feel like he'll be He'll be lights out for us. Then, then Johnny, uh, I feel like me and Johnny just been, you know, on an upwards trend recently. So, um, you know, I feel like, uh, we'll, you know, we'll be good. And then Mari is just so consistent when he gets in the game. Rarely a mistake. Um, he can knock down a three. Defensively, super solid. Um, and, you know, he just learns. He's like a sponge like me and just learns each and every day. And he's not he's not scared at all of like a big moment at all. So you see you've seen that with Mari a ton this year. I mean, like you like I watched the Eastern Illinois game. This is a BS game. Like this is a game like you don't even really think about. And he's out there getting an offensive rebound looking at the bench flexing. But I think that you look at you look at Johnny, you look at Nick, and they're two guys that have not gotten the opportunity that you have, but they're also having the same problem you had early in the year. They don't trust their feet and I mean, Johnny's doing a better job. Nick hasn't done a great of a job. When he's getting the shots that are open looks, he's kind of rushing them. Who has kind of tried to like, hey, this is kind of how it's going. I've noticed that it it has been lately. He doesn't seem as rushed. But is there a collective effort knowing that, hey, dude, like just be confident in yourself and be confident in the level of play because he fits our system very, Mm -hmm. very well. And we've had a lot of white shooters in the past that aren't nearly as athletic to have been able to fill that position. And I don't think Nick is an not or a non-athletic guy. So what has kind of been the, I wouldn't say like the, the aura around the team, but like what have you guys been doing to kind of get him out of the slump so where he trusts himself to be 
a Kansas basketball player putting in a ton of work and putting in a ton of minutes to because he's a huge part of our team. I mean, Mitch, I think you'll agree. If Nick Timberlake yeah. starts playing very well and shoots forty percent from the field, he can guard his man and not make those little mistakes. I mean, mm-hmm. we don't lose that Marquette game. We don't no. play as close to Mizzou. We don't play as close to Indiana. Like there's there's a big thing. He's a huge piece of it without taking minutes from you or taking minutes from anybody else. But like who has kind of brought him to be like, hey, just calm down, let the game come to you, play defense first, and then after that, then you can shoot your threes and kind of worry about that. I feel like, you know, all of us as a collective group, you know, we just talked to him in practice and yeah, I know I know Coach Dooley and them, they talked to him. Uh you know, when it comes to like game time, just, you know, understanding that defensively just focus on the defense side first because all the offense will just come to you within the flow of the game um and you know just just take like a little bit of pressure off himself he's uh you know his work his harshest critic so you know just just having being having being like you know less you know put less pressure on himself pretty much because you know, if you miss one shot, it's not the end of the world. Like we know, you're a shooter. Just keep keep shooting it. Once one falls in, we'll know. Like the next five or six are cash. So sure. that's that's what I, I I've been saying to him. And defensively, just staying solid and just challenging. You know himself to you know uh, guard super good in practice. Yeah, and just trust yourself. Yeah, for sure. All right, El Marco, thank you so much for coming on today. I think this will be great for the fans to hear about a little bit of an inside story on our team. I know a lot of people have concerns, even though we're the second-ranked team in the country. We've only lost one game this year. I think it's whatever, besides the point. El Marco, thank you so much for coming on. This is another episode of Rock Chalk Unplugged. From Chris Tian and Mitch Lightfoot, thank you, guys. Rock Chalk. Thank you. Rock Chalk.